Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by David Dockery, and it is the fourth sermon in our church's Rock Solid Life series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click on Watch Worship Online. Good morning. My name is David Dockery, and I have the privilege of serving as your guest preacher on this Memorial Day Sunday. And today we're going to be finishing up our series looking at a rock-solid life based on 1 Peter 2.5a, which I'll read for you. Or you can read along. Actually, if you'd like, we can all read this together. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So over the last three weeks, we've looked at how we can weather the storms of life as living stone followers of Christ. We've been encouraged to be in a spiritual home, to do good, and to endure trials. So today on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to take a little bit of a different turn as we finish out this series. We'll be turning to 1 Corinthians in a few minutes and looking to chapter 12 to see how we are gifted by God's Spirit. So speaking of gifts, can you remember your absolute favorite gift you've ever received? Maybe it was a birthday present, or maybe it was one of those presents you opened on Christmas morning. Maybe an anniversary gift, or a wedding shower present, or a retirement gift. Maybe something from a baby shower. Do you have it in your, have it in your head? Can you remember what it is? All right, on the count of three, we're going to shout it out, okay? One, two, three. Darth Vader Lego set. Anybody else on a Lego set? Um, anyway, those sound like great gifts. And um, I'm sure you enjoyed playing with those or um, using those gifts in some form or fashion. Maybe even just keeping it on display somewhere. Or maybe it was a car and you got to drive it. Or use it some, some way like that. Well, can you remember who gave that gift to you? That's a little bit more difficult sometimes. I know some gifts we can just say, well, that was from Santa or that was from my parents. Especially as kids, it's easy to just, in the excitement of opening presents, skip over the gift tag, skip over the gift card, go straight to ripping the present open, pulling out the gift bag, uh, tissue paper, to see what's inside. Can you remember that feeling as you were opening the present, that moment of anticipation? This moment where it can either go one of two ways. Either, yes, that's the best gift I could ever get. It's exactly what I wanted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Or maybe the other reaction where you kind of have a little meltdown from your letdown about the gift. Unfortunately, I can recall several, well, I can recall several presents I received, but I can recall one in particular where my reaction was not the elated excitement 
It was, uh, I think, my eighth birthday, and I had several friends over for a birthday party, and after the cake and the ice cream, I got to opening my presents, and, you know, as a kid, you aren't always the best at hiding your emotions. Um, I was very excited. I was so hoping for a Lego set. As I ripped open the wrapping papers, I tore the tape off. The light hit the words on the box. Kerplunk. That is both how I reacted and what the gift was. A great marble game, but it is not what I wanted. I'm still not really sure why I reacted that poorly, but I had a meltdown and I really feel bad for my friend who gave it to me, who had to see my reaction to that gift. Now, luckily, over the years, I've improved. I've gotten a lot better in how I react with gifts. Um, I generally don't know that I've ever gotten a gift that I just didn't like uh, since then. Um, but I know that particular gift, I ended up actually having loads of fun with. I played it a great deal through my childhood, and I think it may still be at my parents' house. Um, but I just reacted so poorly. Now, there's another gift that I received a little more recently. Uh, well, it's been about 10 years, 10 or 11 years now. Uh, a wedding gift, wedding shower gift from my grandmother. And that version of me who was so upset to get the game Kerplunk instead of a Lego set would never believe how excited I was to receive a crock pot. <laughs> I mean, this was the stuff of my dreams, apparently. Um, I was so excited. Uh, this was a wedding shower gift, so it was before we got married. So I convinced Megan to let me go ahead and open it start using it, start learning how to make a roast or make things like that inside of it. And so I have to say that was a mistake. I got the box, I was opening it up for the very first time, pulling the slow cooker out, and I didn't notice that the box was upside down, which means that the crock pot was upside down which means that in a couple of moments, there was a crash and the shattered glass of the lid was all over our kitchen floor. Well, thankfully, uh, there's a life hack. I don't know if you know this, but aluminum foil can work very well as a crockpot lid uh, in a pinch. So uh, we did get plenty of use out of that. You know, recently, Megan and I have had an opportunity to visit my brother's new house for the very first time. As he gave us the tour, we noticed um, several gifts that we've given him over the years on prominent display. Now, he could have, I guess, gone around and been like, okay, I need to make sure this is in a strategic place or this is, but that's not what he did. He had them in use. There was a very nice wooden uh, cutting board that we gave him a few years ago, and he had it in his kitchen on his counter. There was a book from James uh, by James Spann, signed by James Spann, uh, just down the street, The Three Rabbit, and I gave that to my brother. 
and he had that on his bookcase. There's a print of the skyline of Birmingham that he had hanging in his living room. It's really cool to get to see the gifts that we've given in use, placed around the house where you know they're being used, where you know they're being seen, where you know they're being appreciated. When we gave him those items, we had really hoped he would find them useful. We hoped that would be something he would like. We'd hoped that he would appreciate them. And I think the same is true for all of us when we give someone a gift. We have this anticipation or this hope that they will enjoy it, that they will like it, that they'll be able to put it to good use. It's also true that we may be disappointed when we go visit a friend and we see the birthday present that we gave them still sitting in the bag with yellowing tissue paper on a table or in a forgotten corner. Or can you imagine this? Going to a newly married friend's new apartment You gave them a gift for their engagement. You gave them a set of dishes. So you get to their house, you are trying to see if there's anything you can do to help get the dinner ready. You offer to help set out the dishes. They direct you to the cabinet, you open it up, and there sitting on the shelf are your dishes. Except they are in the box. They are still in the styrofoam and the bubble wrap just sitting there gathering dust. It's been months, nearly a year, since you gave it to them. And have they used it once? No. I think at that moment, my disappointment would move beyond just disappointment to repossession, taking that box and driving back to the store and returning them so someone else can use them and I can have my money back. You know, I think as I consider these scenarios, I wonder what we do with the gifts that God has given us. Specifically, what do we do with the spiritual gifts that God gives to each one of us? Do we leave them in the box, just gathering dust? Do we do like kids like to do and just play with the wrapping paper, popping the spiritual bubble wrap? Do we get angry that we didn't get the gift that we wanted and have a meltdown? Or maybe we just don't know what to do with the gift that we got. What its purpose is. Well, let's look now to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 13. And look at how Paul instructs the church at Corinth to use their gifts. So as you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 13, I'll also mention that you can follow along on the screens or you can use a Bible app if you'd like to navigate to that, or as Joseph mentioned before, you can also um, click on the reply that you got from your text here, and that will take you to a place where you can find the sermon outline and the sermon text. So we'll be reading 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 13, starting in verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. 
You know that when, we were, that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along and worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God, from the Spirit of God, or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. Well, if we were to sum up the church at Corinth in one word, I would give you the word confused. If you let me have a second word, I would say conflicted. This is because Paul, throughout his letter, says and repeats himself saying, regarding your questions, and let there be no division among you. Well, we don't have the Corinthians letter to Paul. We do have his responses, which seem to be focusing on settling debate and division, which was apparently fed by some sense of spiritual arrogance. So throughout the letter, Paul works to correct the Corinthians. Now, one area of spiritual smugness was in the practice of spiritual gifts. To correct the divisions, Paul appeals to the unity of the giver of the spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit, with the Trinity. Notice that he doesn't invoke theology textbook definitions or doctrines of the Trinity. Rather, he says in verse 12, 3, no one speaking by the Spirit will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So how is this an appeal to the Trinity? Paul is saying here that the Spirit, as part of the same triune God as the Son, cannot speak against himself. It's like the famous Abraham Lincoln, a house divided against itself cannot stand, quote, which is actually a quotation from the book of Matthew. But basically, if someone 
claims to speak for God, stating that God the Spirit claims Jesus, God the Son, is cursed, then that person is not speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. However, by the same logic, Paul is arguing that the Spirit has one proclamation. Jesus is Lord. So if you're following along with the outline, this is our first point. We are gifted by God's Spirit with one proclamation, that Jesus is Lord. I'll say that again. We are gifted by God's Spirit with one proclamation, that Jesus is Lord. The triune God works in unity. Therefore, he has one message as he works out his mission and plan. The theologian Millard Erickson writes, The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. His work is the expression and execution of what the three of them have planned together. There is no tension among their persons and activities. So when we think about the giver who gave us a gift, usually that gift is not something that's out of character for the giver. Like imagine you were to give a good friend who is diabetic a gift basket full of candies, cakes, and sugary sodas. Now that would be deeply unappreciated since the person can't really eat or enjoy very many of those gifts. Honestly, that gift is the opposite of kind and, well, frankly insulting. I mean, there are prank gifts and then there's this, you know, give something someone cannot touch, cannot eat or enjoy. This gift would cast you as at least insensitive to your friend's health condition, dietary needs. Or let's say I were a deeply committed vegetarian. Would I be a good giver to give friends of mine who were also vegetarians Omaha Steaks gift cards? I know a few of you who love, who consider yourself a carnivore may think that's a great gift. Or if you're a fan of Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation, you may think that's a wonderful gift. But a gift like that would reflect some level of tension or conflict between my personal ethical beliefs and my activities. With God, there can be no such tension or conflict. Therefore, any gift of the Spirit will work to advance the mission of God and therefore align with the Spirit's message that Jesus is Lord. So additionally, any gift of the Spirit will work in unity with God's purpose. The second thing we need to notice is that we are gifted by God's Spirit with one purpose. To help each other, we see in verse 7. So if you're following along, point two on the outline is gifted by God's Spirit with one purpose. To help each other. Spiritual gifts, as the NIV translates the latter half of verse 7 are given for the common good. Apparently, some among the Corinthians didn't think that they were meant for the common good. Rather, they wanted to use them for their own gain, their own glory. God does not give one the gift of teaching to glorify 
or glamorize the teacher. Rather, he gives the gift to edify the church. God does not give the gift of evangelism to make the the evangelist famous or well-known, but rather to spread wide the good news that Jesus is Lord. God does not give the gift of hospitality to make the host or hostess well-liked, but to show welcome to the visitor, to the seeker, to the stranger, and welcome them into the family of God. The gift of prophecy is not intended to wow those who hear the one prophesying, but to point to the truths of God. The same is true of miracles, healings, or tongues. These are not intended to point to the individuals gifted, but rather they are intended to show God's power and to meet the needs that He knows exist within the church. So what does that have to do with us? What's the point of that for you and me? Well, it's a reminder to us first that each believer has been given a gift, that the gifts are meant to be used, not just hoarded away, not just kept in the box. Second, the gifts are not just for you or me individually, but for the community. So if you know how you're gifted, that's great. But consider how you can use it for the good of this spiritual community, this church, as well as for the larger community, whether that looks like our town, your neighborhood, your workplace, your team, your school, or even in your own home. Now, let's say you don't know how you're gifted. You're unsure about it, or you just have no idea. Start by spending some time in prayer and scripture. So write down a few passages that discuss spiritual gifts. There's 1 Corinthians 12, which is where we are, but Paul continues to talk about them for the next couple of chapters. So 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Romans 12, 6 through 8. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And 1 Peter 4, verse 11. Again, that's Ephesians 4, verse 11, and 1 Peter 4, verse 11. If you've written those down, come back and study them. Spend some time praying through those sections of Scripture, those passages. Spend some time talking with them, with a, talking about them with a spiritual mentor or a small group leader or Sunday school teacher. Pray about how God would have you use that gift. What ways you sense His leading what ways he's directing you. And then, put it into practice. Look for ways that you can serve. Look for ways that you can join the Spirit's mission, serving in the church or serving and ministering outside these walls. I think this is a good encouragement from the NIV application commentary. Once a person is reasonably sure how he or she has been gifted, A person needs an outlet for service. When it's time to fill the slots of church responsibilities, people should be matched with areas of their strengths and not their weaknesses. Members ought willingly 
to volunteer for jobs in these areas without waiting to be asked. There are truly many ways that we can serve here just in this church. One of those ways is coming up in July with Mega Sports Camp. We're still looking for some uh, volunteers and some help. So if you're looking for kind of a, a good way to get started in using your gift or sort of trying out an area that you think you might be gifted in, sign up to help with Mega Sports Camp. You can pray about it first. You can uh, talk with someone about that first. But consider that as a way to begin using that as an outlet for your service. But for now, let's back up a moment. So we've looked at verse 7. We're going to look back to um, verses 4 through 6, where Paul continues to show the unity of the Spirit. While there are many gifts, there is one giver, the Holy Spirit. There are many forms of ministry or service, but they are done to serve the same God. There are many ways in which God works, but the same God is at work in each of us. Do you notice a pattern here? Many gifts, one giver. Many ministries, one minister to. Many works, but one worker. Why so much repetition of the word many? Why so many gifts, ministries, and works? Because there are diverse needs and members within the church. And God knows who needs what. God, through His Spirit, gives us the gifts we each need in order to minister in different ways to very different people with very different needs. So that brings us to our third point. We are gifted by God's Spirit through diverse gifts, for diverse needs, to diverse members. Again, we are gifted by God's Spirit through diverse gifts, for diverse needs, to diverse members. Now, each of us in this room has some of the same needs. We could all agree with that, some of the same basic needs. We also all have different struggles trials or temptations in our lives. There are unique ministry needs within the church and in the greater community the local church is called to serve. Therefore, God has given some the ability to minister in a special way through offering wise advice, which is used appropriately by advising wisely those who are in need of it. To some, God gives them the ability to minister through a message of special knowledge. This is meant to be shared, perhaps one-on-one, perhaps with the entire congregation, depending on who needs that word. Whether the gift God gives is healing, faith, performing miracles, prophecy, discernment, or tongues, the point is not so much the gift. Rather, it is the need within the community that the gift is given to meet. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit working through and among the people of God. So just as the gifts that they're, just as the gifts and needs they're given to address are diverse, so too are the people of God. In verse 12, Paul uses the example of the body's diverse parts making up one human body. 
Now, the human body is not just a bunch of connected arms. And can you imagine that? No, a functioning body is made up of an organ, of organ systems and body parts that do different things, address different bodily functions, all working together to keep the body working. We come from different backgrounds, races, places, economic status, jobs, beliefs, politics, health conditions, families, and even music preferences. As a famous fictional soccer coach says, all people are different people. But within the church's community, those differences don't just wash away with baptism. Rather, we do keep our differences, but we find our unity in the Spirit. He unites us. He shares himself with us through the spiritual gifts, and we share the Spirit with each other as we serve one another by using his diverse gifts to minister to the diverse needs of the many members. See, that's how God has been building his church these past 2,000 years. That's how he's going to continue building his church today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. He is working out his mission through his spirit, working in and through people. Desperate disparate and diverse people, united in faith that Jesus is Lord, a people called, transformed, and empowered by his Spirit, gifted in various ways so that we can follow Jesus' instructions to his disciples in Acts 1.8, just before his ascension. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. We are called to be witnesses of what Christ has done. And we are given his spirit in order to equip us for the mission. We are each gifted by His Spirit to help each other complete the mission. The question is, how will you use your gift? Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.